Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. People stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at Jesus, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, who was hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingly power. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. So we celebrate then this last Sunday of the year, the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, universal king or king of the universe. Basically, the king of all power, omnipotence, right? So his power and his reign is omnipotent. And that title doesn't seem to fit with the gospel passage in a certain sense that we read today, that Christ who is crucified on the cross. And so the image that we have of Christ the universal king, the king of power and love, is particularly Christ crucified, right? Christ crucified. And so this great and wonderful king, this king of all power, this king who has come to save his people, when we see him reign in all of his power, it is a reign of love, and it is a reign from that cross, in that state of crucifixion, the people stand by, it says, watching, and the rulers scoffed at Jesus. Normally, what a king should receive is honor and praise. But from the moment of him being captured, being arrested, he has received nothing but mockery. What a king should receive is he should be arrayed in fine garments. But this king has been stripped naked. What a king should receive is a crown of gold, but this king has received a crown of thorns. What a king should receive is adoration and praise, but they all continue to mock him. The people standing by, they say he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. What they mistake is they think that because he is not exercising his power, that he does not have any. 
but true power is when you are able to restrain it for a greater purpose. Restrain your anger or your wrath for a greater purpose. One of the church fathers says that in Christ on the cross, his mercy triumphs over his wrath. He is restraining his power and they perceive in him weakness. But it is precisely his power that keeps him on the cross. It is precisely his love that keeps him from stepping down and saving himself. Because if he saved himself, we would be lost. In not saving himself, we are saved. That is his great act of power, to allow himself to be subject to suffering, to be obedient to the point of death, and then through his death, to save those whom he loves, the very ones who stand there mocking him. The soldiers also mock him. You can see this spirit of mockery. It is almost like a contagion. It starts with Herod and Pilate, and it is eventually what causes them to unite and become friends. They unite in a friendship of mockery against Christ. But then also it eventually catches on to the soldiers as well, who have stripped the Lord of his garments. They've also cast lots that they might divide these things amongst themselves. They've taken the last earthly possessions of the Lord, but he is completely detached from them. The one in whom all the treasures of heaven are contained has no need for earthly treasures. He is stripped, he is poor, he is hanging on the cross, and then even in his thirst, they treat him with contempt. They add to the suffering of his thirst the further suffering of offering him vinegar. If anyone has ever taken vinegar or anything like that upon a wound, you know its effects. It increases the suffering and the sting. In the same way that them offering him vinegar increases the sting of their mockery. The Lord who has cried out, not in this scene, but as we've read in other accounts of his passion, I thirst, I thirst. The interpretation of that thirst was given by the Lord when he appeared, as we've said before, to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, when he was speaking about his presence in the Eucharist, but also on the cross. He says that that thirst basically represents his desire to be loved by those whom he loves. And he says that this desire to be loved in the sacrament of his love, in the blessed sacrament, he says is so intense that it consumes him. It consumes him. For the God who has loved us to such a great extent so as to die for us and hang upon the cross, he desires just a small amount of return, a little bit of love for the love that has been given. These soldiers offer him the vinegar and continue this mockery. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's also an inscription above his, his head that says, this is the king of the Jews. And then what happens is this beautiful miracle of grace. One of the criminals who is hanging next to the Lord, crucified with him, while everyone else sees a weakened and failed, supposed to be prophet, this man perceives a king. He speaks to Christ as a king. He first defends Christ. 
He can see that the Lord is not defending himself, but he perceives that that is because of fortitude and not because of weakness. And so he steps up to defend the Lord, who is innocent while he is guilty. And he says, do you not fear God? As it says in the scripture, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we can see that that fear of God has touched his heart as he looks over at Christ and he perceives this great king. Do you not fear God, he says to the other criminal, since we are under the same sentence of condemnation. So first and foremost, you mock a man that is under the same sentence as you. He says, however, we justly, but he is innocent. So he defends Christ against mockery. He also defends, defends him against injustice. And then he also proclaims Christ to be the innocent victim. He is moved to a beautiful depth of faith and belief in this king that he perceives hanging on the cross. And then he turns to this king and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He doesn't presume upon the Lord for any great grace or gift. He simply wants to be in his memory. I simply want to be in your mind. When you enter into your kingdom, think of me. That's all he asks of the Lord. But the Lord who is truly kingly and powerful is always lavish with his gifts. And he turns back to this one who is crucified at his side and he promises not only that he will be remembered, but that he will be with Christ in paradise this day. St. Augustine says that to be with Christ is paradise. To be where he is, is paradise, because he is the king. And so for us as well, this relates to us with regards to Christ and the Blessed Sacrament. It is hard to perceive his kingly power when he veils himself in such humility under the forms of bread and wine. But this same universal king is present to us in the Blessed Sacrament. This same all-powerful God reigns in our midst. But it is also for us to, like the thief, perceive in him this kingly power, to see his fortitude and virtue where others might see weakness. To surround the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament with the love and adoration that are due to a king in order to make up for the mockery that he still receives in our day and in our age. To also turn to the Lord, acknowledging as the good thief did our sinfulness and his innocence and entrusting ourselves to his love asking him as well that he will also remember us in his kingdom, that he will also welcome us into his kingdom for eternity. But the great mystery for us as well is that because the king is present here, whenever we come into his presence, we step into that kingdom. Lastly, in the moment of Holy Communion, when that same glorious king is received by us in communion, then we should enthrone him in our hearts and in our minds. 
Let the king come to us, not as a subject or a slave, but as king. Treat him as king. Love him when we receive him in Holy Communion. Give him proper thanks and praise to the one who has in his humility and in this hiddenness desired to be with us. And in those moments of Holy Communion, let us allow Christ to reign in our minds and our hearts. Amen.